Hi, my name is Jessica and I'm 31 and I am post-op on a total hip replacement. I'm also a mother to two kids under five, a social worker and a wife. I wanted to document my journey as this has been a long time coming, 31 years to be exact, but we'll get to that part later. I also wanted to share my story for others that may also find themselves in a situation like mine. When I was leading up to this and going through it, I still haven't really seen anyone else my age or in my situation with like young kids that are going through it so if you are out there please reach out i want to talk to you but if you're also finding that as well hopefully this brings you a little bit of um solidarity i guess um yeah so i hope that's helpful for people i do want to be really really clear i'm not a doctor i'm not a physiotherapist um so I, anything I talk about, I'm not giving any medical advice. Uh, you should definitely be talking to your own medical professionals about your personal situation. These are just my opinions um, and should be taken as such. So let's get started. hello good day um this is my very first episode and um like you heard a little bit in the intro i wanted to do this because one i felt like i needed to document this because it's something that's been that's been in the making for years um I really wanted to document it because of that but i also really struggled to find anybody that looked like me right that was um younger getting this kind of surgery done who had a young family and i just wanted to be able to i guess yeah provide some some camaraderie <laughs> with those people as well so if you are doing this and you have podcasts or youtube video please reach out i want to see your stuff i want to share the shit out of it because <laughs> i'm yeah, I just could not find anything leading up to my surgery or kind of going through the pre to my surgery or even post top of my surgery. So, um, there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> like I said, there's like 31 years of history and, and stuff. So I think I might start with, um, my actual like surgery what led up to it so um five years ago i was actually approved to have a total hip replacement it was significant enough that my surgeon felt that i required it. keeping in mind um a surgery like mine they can only guarantee a synthetic hip like mine 10 to 15 years so I'm going to let you that sink in a little bit. My hip can only be guaranteed for 10 to 15 years. So growing up, I had a lot of people just be like, oh, I'll just go get your hip replaced. Oh, just go get your hip replaced. But it wasn't as simple as just like, oh, okay, <laughs> go do that. Um, because they can only guarantee it for a short period of time. And they can only do it 
three times because there's so much scar tissue that would build up that they just they can't continue to do it so they want to push it off as long as possible because it they can't guarantee how long it lasts with that said my dad has actually gotten his hip replaced and it's been replaced for like 20 years now again same hip and he's actually the surgeon that did his did mine and it looks as good as it did the day he put it in so it's all situational um but it's definitely something that the surgeons have to keep in mind and why it's not as simple as just like oh we'll just go get it done it also takes a ton of resources and time so it's it's honestly it's a gift <laughs> it's a gift to be given it so you need to be treating it as such so yeah um so i was approved for my surgery five five years ago but i really wanted to be done having children before i before i had it done because i felt that it was important that pretty much i run this hip into or that hip into the ground before i got a brand new shiny one so that was an interesting conversation i had with my husband <laughs> when i came home um, at the time, we were just living together. Um, we weren't married, and I know living in sin. And yeah, it was a conversation about like, well, my surgeon is approving me for this. He thinks it's a significant, but I want to have children before it's done. So that's yeah. So that was a conversation, and maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that another time. We won't. We'll see. Um, yeah. And then I had my beautiful, two beautiful babies, and I, after my youngest was just over a year, actually, or just before her first birthday, I went back and I agreed to be put onto the list. So when I was approved for surgery, he just, it was just meant that he was like, yes, I will do this. You let me know when you want to do it and you let me know when you have more bad days than good and I will do it. Um, a year ago, I was like, yes, put me on the list. So how that works is they put your, your name, your information onto the list that you were approved for that. And then you, they go down and they call you as your name comes up. So it's kind of like winning the lottery. Um, now, of course, there's like you get triaged in there as like higher priority um and there's other people that would bump you and like emergencies would bump you and all that kind of stuff that plays into it but yeah you get on the list and you wait your turn <laughs> so honestly i was expecting um before covid there was probably about a six to eight month wait to get it done with covid in um playing into that i was like 18 months I'm not gonna hear anything from anyone so that's why I was shocked <laughs> when I got a call uh, the end of August and I had about two weeks between um, when I got my call to like when my actual surgery was which is crazy <laughs> and my family all pretty sure I got in on uh, like a camp so I got my call and I had to go for a pre-op so about oh, a little bit before and probably about a week 
you over this pre-op appointment where I assumed that I would like see my surgeon again because I hadn't seen him in a year. Um, I'd probably talk to an anesthesiologist as you have the option. We'll get to that. So what turned out is I ended up speaking to a physiotherapist, which was a lot of planning around like kind of discharge planning. Who's going to be there to support you? How many steps are in your house? Um, are you going to be able to do physio? What's your financial situation around going privately for physio? Um, this is about how often I would normally see patients. That piece of it. So, and then I saw a nurse as well. And she went over more kind of like the day of. This is what you should expect. These are the different situations. Do you know what kind of a hip you're getting? <laughs> nope. That's why I was expecting to talk to a surgeon. But. And I understand some of it is they can't really, you could make a decision there and be like, oh, I want this or I want that or what have you. But then if you end up changing your mind day of surgery, it's not really like they can just like, I don't know, go to the back room and grab a different one. You know, like it, it takes a lot of planning to orchestrate something like that. Um, we did get to have a discussion around, um, about the anesthesiology and what I wanted. So your options are, you can actually be under for it. Um, and some people choose to do that, or you can choose to get a spinal tap. And the closest thing I could compare that to is an epidural, but it's like a super strong <laughs> epidural. Um, so I had two epidurals with both, I had epidurals with both of my babies. Um, and if you also had epidurals with your baby's high five, if you did it without any medication, you're amazing. You get double high fives and a gold star. So, and the information with it is getting the spinal tap is that your recovery is quicker. Um, you come out of it. You don't necessarily have as many side effects. And they give you a, quite the cocktail of drugs that you don't really care that you can hear all of the things going on. And I know that just sounds completely bizarre, how you could possibly not care. But speaking for someone who went through that <laughs> and was awake, I use that really loosely, quote unquote, awake through my surgery. Um, yeah, you, you really don't care. <laughs> so we made those decisions and I did leave the pre-op pretty nervous, more nervous than I was before, because I guess I went in with expectations of seeing my surgeon and actually talking to an anesthesiologist at minimum, like a resident, and I didn't get that. Um, and the only thing I really had to compare it to was, was like my quote unquote labor plan. So with both of my babies, I came up with a labor plan where I wrote out what my wishes were, what I wanted from a best case scenario. And I had in my labor plan that if things went sideways, you do whatever you had to, to like keep my children safe. That was in my plan. But I just didn't feel like when I went through this, that, that was almost an option. It was more of just like, this is what we're doing <laughs> and this is what's going to happen. So that was an adjustment for me. Um, and, and yeah, and going forward, there was a lot of kind of mixed information when I spoke with, I was doing up the paperwork for work to be off on medical leave. My surgeon was saying I should be able to return to office work six weeks post-op. And then I saw this physio 
at my pre-op and she told me that I wasn't going to be able to be back at work for like three to four months. So again, something a little bit scary. <laughs> yeah, I also am very lucky that my dad has also had his hip replaced, like I said, by the exact same surgeon. And my father-in-law actually has had his hip replaced and he's waiting on getting his other hip replaced. So I have a lot of people in my life that have gone through it who kind of know what to expect and I had somebody to talk to about it. And it's it was helpful to a point, but again, the situation's just different, right? When my dad got his done, my brother and I were like 10 and 12. So we are pretty self-sufficient, not two and three. <laughs> so yeah, it was just very different. So day of surgery, um, they give you these like, well, day before and day of surgery, they give you these sponges at your pre-op where they're like, okay, yeah, you have to have a shower the night before and shower the day of, and you disinfect like your entire body with these sponges or whatever. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not a doctor. Why am I disinfecting myself? This is yep, what I was supposed to do, so okay. And then my mom came with me because my husband was with our kids, which I think was a positive because she was there at the beginning, right? And to kind of see it all come full circle and to be at the end um, was, yeah, I think was important for her and it was important for me. So she was with me for the entire part leading up to it, um, right up until they wheeled me off. Um, so yeah, like I said, I had this vinyl, so I was awake during my surgery, and I use that really loosely because, so my surgery, they originally thought it was going to be like 90 minutes, it actually took two and a half hours because of the complexity of it and the damage that was done. Um, yeah, so because of that, and so I was in and out of it, probably like sleeping, but yeah, I had my music playing, I was talking to the anesthesiologist at the end, mostly just being like, are we done yet? <laughs> but yes, you hear the hammering, you hear the drilling, and again, I know that sounds really freaky, and my husband has told the guys at work, and they all think I'm like, insane. <laughs> but, um... Oh, I drove me as the cocktail. You, you don't care. <laughs> you don't care. So, so yeah. Um, there was a lot of just those sounds that you could hear. I know when they first wheeled me in. Um, so they have you laying on your side, and you are so frozen. So you're frozen from like your breastbone down. Yeah, you, you, really can't move. <laughs> you can't move. Um, and saw them they had like they put a like a barrier in front of you so you can't really see anything from like I don't know arm pity or I don't know like boob level down you can't see anything but I could see him like move my foot up and I could see my toes <laughs> above the shield it's like oh that's weird <laughs> okay but yeah no they they cover you up you can't really see a lot and yeah then they roll you into recovery. 
and they actually use like a, a bag of ice and they press it on your chest because as you're coming out of your anesthetic, your spinal tap, they are testing you to see, first you're supposed to tell them if you can feel pressure and then they're supposed to, they're telling, you're telling them if you can feel like the temperature of the ice. Um, so I was in recovery for probably half an hour maybe before they're like okay yeah you're good and then they ruled me out to my room where my mom met me there so normally my mom would have been able to stay kind of in my room with me the entire time but because of covid she was only supposed to be there like an hour um which was difficult for her and difficult for me but I think it was more worse for her because you are hopped up on some wicked painkillers and <laughs> you're hopped up on some wicked painkillers and you were just nodding off the whole time. So again, I almost felt, I felt bad a lot of the time because I would be like falling asleep while she was there just because of the meds you're on. Um, and the pain like honestly I didn't it wasn't the same kind of a pain that I was used to so I didn't recognize it as pain it was just kind of like discomfort like I just couldn't get comfortable and it would just slowly start to do that achy I can't get comfortable my leg is sore and I just no matter where I am so I did a lot of ice or icing all the time um a lot of drugs. <laughs> so I actually was walking day of. Um, yeah, I was walking day of and I actually went home. So my surgery was on a Monday and I went home on the Wednesday. And that's not normal. Normally you would spend a couple more days um, there. But I was very motivated not to be in the hospital. I did not want to be in the hospital. I wanted to be home to my family. Um, wanted to be with my kids. I, yeah, I wanted to get out of there as quickly as possible. So there was, and they were quite willing to make that happen because I was walking early. I was motivated to do my physiotherapy. I was up and moving. I was going to the bathroom by myself. I was doing all the things I was, that would have okayed me to go. So I was lucky that way. Um, and there was also some like advocating that you had to do kind of for yourself in hospital. Like I put off getting a catheter in, put back in because I wanted to go and sit and pee. They also wanted to like just put a bedpan under me. Well, no, I, I don't want that. I don't want that. So I'm going to either sit on the toilet or you're going to catheter me and we're going to put that off as long as possible we did that and it was fine um yeah so there's some advocating for that and then i just yeah and those nurses they work so hard and they are so busy and especially when so the friday before my surgery the news had come down in my province that we that's that due to the increasing numbers of COVID that they were 
looking at redeploying nurses and canceling elective surgeries, surgeries like mine. So on Friday, I was like, am I even getting this surgery on Monday? What the hell is going on? I did, but I squeaked in by like, oh, I squeaked in. So we got her done and, but they, there's just so many nurses and they're doing their best and I'm sure they were overworked and short staffed as is. Now you throw COVID in and it's, it's something. So they were doing the best they possibly could for sure. So yeah, I had my, um, I was lucky enough, my in-laws were able to bring me home. So again, I was so drugged up <laughs> drive home. I was in and out and ice and I was trying to ice, but yeah, that was something. And then getting home and not being able to, to be in the capacity I used to be in my home was quite quite the shock. Um, my husband was, he said it, like he was a little overwhelmed when he actually saw me like come out with my locker and was like, oh my, <laughs> okay, here, here we go. This is all very real. And yeah, so that was, that was something. And it, it was, it was just meant not to be able to like put my kids to bed and have to tell them like, no, mommy can't do that. And that was hard. And it's still hard because there's still stuff that I'm, that I'm not able to do in the capacity I used to be able to do. And it's going to come and I'm getting stronger every day. I can see that, but it's still, it's difficult. It's difficult not to have, not to be able to do all the things. So, but yeah, um, so probably for the first two weeks, I had about a week of um, hydrocortisone or hydrocortisol. No, that's not right. <laughs> Hydro. Oh my goodness. I had some really strong drugs. And do you think I can remember the name of it right now? I had really strong drugs that I was taking every four hours. Strong enough that they were like, they're very addictive. And I could see why, because by the end of it, I was just like, no, I need these drugs. And I had to check myself to be like, okay, no, you, you don't actually need these drugs. They're not making any difference more than like Tylenol would for you. It just would knock, knocks you out so you sleep instead. So, so, so yeah, that was, that was an adjustment. Um, and a lot of ice and my husband just being the amazing superstar. Yes. He, took care of the kids he took care of me around the clock and that included like getting me ice in the middle of the night to ice my leg and again it was just that like achy I can't get comfortable but this was like burning burning sensation in my leg and it was just awful awful and it was really frustrating because I just I couldn't get comfortable in my most in the ways I normally would yeah there's that piece of it. Um, and then as for my physio, so, so I wasn't going to see the hip and knee clinic. How it's normally they were saying like for four, like four weeks, I wasn't supposed to see the hip and knee clinic. Okay, fine. 
Um, and then they said like, well, because of all the redeployment, I was actually only going to get two physio appointments. That's it. And I am so grateful that I am in a financial situation where I have benefits and I'm able to pay for my own physio privately because I don't think I'd be where I am without that. So I was able to pay for my physio privately. I see her every two weeks. Um, yeah, and I, it's, it's nothing against most of the physiotherapists. They're, they're doing the best they can and they're just trying to follow the rules. And if they're being redeployed, they're being redeployed. They, they don't really give an option for that. Um, but COVID has definitely <laughs> added an interesting layer to, um, to getting this done for sure. So that's the ballpark of what's been going on. I am back at work, but I think that's a whole other layer in itself that I want to talk about. Um, I do want to tell you guys about kind of the history leading up to it and my childhood around it with that piece of it. Um, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's been my life for the last, well, six weeks post-op. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to having more of this and talking more with you guys about before and after and all of that good stuff. So uh, tune in next week. I'll spout off a little bit more. <laughs> we'll see what else, where else we go with this. All right. Thank you. <laughs>